This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm excited to be joined today by Barbie Jefferson, who is Chief Financial Officer at Wofford College in South Carolina. Welcome, Barbie. Thank you. Good morning. To get us started today, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how you came to higher ed as a profession. Well, Megan, it was not an intentional arrival into higher ed, to be honest. I was a, uh, I, I did have the typical career path of uh, you know, going into uh, an accounting major and then getting getting my master's in accounting, going to work for KPMG, uh, where I stayed for about four years, but never worked um, on any higher education audits. So I had no exposure whatsoever to higher education. I left KPMG after a couple of years and went to work for a public or publicly traded restaurant company, um, and I was not overly thrilled with that position. I was at a um, volunteering at a homeless shelter with one of my colleagues and friends that I'd worked with at KPMG, and she's recently left KPMG as well, and taking taken on the position of controller at Walford College. Now, I was fairly familiar with Walford because I actually um, applied to Walford and seriously considered attending Walford about 12 years earlier, um, but decided to to go to college elsewhere. But uh, I was, like I said, I was familiar with the campus and what they did, but didn't have that much knowledge of the accounting uh, for higher education um, or the business. Uh, But I, I knew this young lady very well and trusted her and did a little bit of research and the more I looked into it the more I thought hey this this might be a role um she she actually offered me the position of uh, assistant controller while we while we were there um wow um you know we were we were just kind of chatting she said you know do you do you um know anyone that might be interested in in joining um Wofford as the assistant controller and said, actually, you know, it, it maybe I'm, I'm the right fit. So I, uh, I told her, you know, I think I'm the right person for you. So she brought me in and let me meet the CBO at the time, Bob Kiesler, and we hit it off. And before I knew it, I was at Wofford College as the assistant controller. And that was 11 years ago. Wow. That's a great story. I love that. Can you talk a little bit about what you found different in higher ed as contrasted to the private sector? The first noticeable difference to me was the pace. 
the pace at which um, decisions were made, the pace at which projects were implemented, um, also the stress level. Uh, you know, being a, a smaller liberal arts institution on a beautiful campus, I can, I'm proud to say that, that we do have a, a, a very beautiful campus here in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, it's just a happier, calmer, um, more relaxed setting. Uh, the decision making is done, you know, as you know, with um, the shared governance, which was which is an adjustment to anyone who comes from a corporate setting. Um, and then, of, of course, it's just uh, a, a very deliberate and thoughtful process. Um, and then finally, the last the ma- last major difference is the the not for profit um, slant on all decisions, uh, you know, when you're at a publicly traded company, it's all about the shareholders and uh, revenues at uh, a liberal arts institution like ours. It's all about the mission and uh, just, you know, making sure that the college stays in sound financial, uh, a sound financial position, but doesn't necessarily have to generate significant revenues each year. Were there any skill sets that you had to work to develop as in this in this new role at Wofford when when you came over that perhaps wasn't just it wasn't something that came naturally to you it wasn't something that you had existing a particular skill set well in my first role as assistant controller i don't feel like i had to necessarily develop a a new skill set because i was doing mostly straightforward accounting um i did have to learn a little bit about endowments and how they work um, and I, you know, I had to learn the new accounting system. That's that's about it. And then meet new people, get adjusted to this new climate in which I was working. Um, but over time, um, in the next year and a half, the the lady, young lady that hired me, decided that she was going to become a full time mom, and I was promoted to uh, controller. So I was only in the, the the original role for about a year and a half, like I said. So as I became the controller, I had to um, adjust and learn leadership skills because I was managing a, a staff of 13 people. So, so that was the first that uh, I had to acquire and, and learn. And then about five years later, an opportunity presented itself for me to become the chief business officer. And that is when I based, I had to learn many, many new skills, including um, construction management, um, HR. Uh, For a while, I was responsible for information technology, uh, food. I am still responsible for food service, the bookstore. So it was it was almost like starting fresh when I uh, moved into that role, just because of the, it was no longer just accounting. And at that point, it became very little accounting because there's there's not much time to do the accounting. You have to juggle all of those responsibilities. And is that something, if there's somebody listening who's aspiring to be a CBO, is that something you just have to learn on the job? Or are there ways that you see that you could potentially prepare for some of the, the exposure to some of those areas that you're eventually going to have to control? I think there are definitely ways you can, you know, if you're the controller, if you're in some other role that uh, reports to an existing CBO, you can talk to that CBO about 
taking on more and more responsibility and and assisting he or she with their responsibilities so that you can get um, your experience in in those other areas. Uh, I had a very, very good CBO who who was before me at Walford, and he did a great job of exposing me to a lot of areas. He, he, he let me run with the accounting side of the house because he knew that's where my experience and expertise was. But he also, over time, let me become more and more involved in investments with our endowment. Um, the actual investing side of it brought me in and had me become more and more involved um, with our investment advisory committee. He also started exposing me to um working with our board of trustees. So he started bringing me to, to board meetings and having me uh, present financials and things like that. So that I would get that expertise. Um, you know, he, he wasn't expecting uh, to leave quite as quickly as he did, um, and nor was I expecting to have the opportunity quite so early. Um, so we didn't spend as much time uh, transitioning me into uh, into the construction project side of things. I think in time we probably would have gotten to that point where he started letting me get be more involved in that. But um, like I said, we, we we didn't have as much time as we thought uh, for him for him to teach me that side of the house. So so that was one that I really did have to learn on the job, and I feel like I'm still learning every day. Absolutely, I'm sure it's there's a lot on your plate every day. Barbie, can you talk about what's exciting about your role currently? What's exciting about my role currently? I think it is the plethora of opportunities and responsibilities that that I juggle. Uh, every, like I said, it's everything from managing these these capital projects to the finances, projections, um, reporting of um, financials. Um, Human resources. Some things there may not always be exciting and pleasant, but <laughs> there's always there's always something going on there. Um, the the dining side of the house I find fascinating, and that's all about uh, people and uh, how they feel about their dining experience. So there's uh, it's, it's all the different opportunities and all the variety. Never knowing from one day to the next what's going to happen. Um, and and the, the thing that I enjoy the most is uh, managing a, a project, whether it's a construction project or a financial initiative that we're um, implementing and um, seeing that come to fruition and the completion of that, um, the sense of satisfaction and knowing that I, with the help of Others, all the, the folks that report to me and those that are my colleagues here and, and our president, that, that we've worked together to make the college a better place for our students, faculty, and staff. That's the, the, the accomplishment. That, that's what really is exciting to me. What are you doing now in your career that you never imagined you'd be doing 10 or even 15 years ago? Well, for one thing, 10 years ago, I would, would not have imagined um, that I would be a CBO. You know, when I when I came to, to Wofford, when I switched to higher education, I knew that higher education was a good fit, and I liked the mission of the college, and I was 
I like the environment, but I didn't know at that point that I wanted to be a CBO. So that's the biggest thing. But if you ask me, you know, five years ago when I first moved into this role, what I um, would not have expected doing is probably managing three large capital projects at one time, um, totaling almost $100 million, uh, which is which is a big deal in a co- for a college of 1650 students. Um, so so that's probably probably what is the most amazing to me is that I do have all this construction going on that I am um, ultimately responsible for. That's fantastic. That is a huge responsibility, though, and especially to have three of them going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. One actually just wrapped up, and we've got another one that's finishing in the next couple of weeks, and the last one will wrap up later this year. So that will be wow. a huge relief. Yeah. Absolutely. What would you say, Barbie, is as you're talking to your CBO colleagues, what would you say is the biggest challenge that faces all CBOs today? What keeps you all up at night? Lack of resources. <laughs> Trying to trying to figure out how to pay for everything that needs to be done um, to keep the college moving towards its strategic direction that needs to be following um, the concern over whether our business model is broken and whether it's going to keep to we can keep operating as we have been. Uh, so those are those are that's more than one answer there, but that's those are the things that keep us up at night. Anything that you've seen that you use as sort of inspiration or pockets of innovation when it comes to managing resources and being creative and and making all of that balance out the way that it needs to? You know, one of the the key things I do when I'm looking for inspiration um, is I take a a step back and I, you know, one of the best resources I've found are – um, Sakubo and Nakubo going to those that those sessions, those meetings that we have, um, hearing what other folks are doing, or going on the websites for those organizations, and uh, looking for ideas um, to see to see how other people have solved the problems that they have um, as far as coming up with new new innovative ways to finance projects or um, to to reallocate resources within existing budgets. Um, so I, I'm not a terribly creative person, so I like to, to look at what others have done and see if that helps me uh, come up with ideas. You mentioned your previ- previous CBO as sort of a mentor. Are there other people that have served as mentors to you throughout your career? And what do you think you've learned from them, if so? Yeah, so you know, there's there's a handful of other CBOs in the region um, that I've as I've needed um, to venture down a, a new path, whether it's doing a uh, a uh, bidding process for a food service vendor or uh, financing for a, a special type of project. I've reached out to um, the CBOs around. Uh, in, in the region, like Mary Lou Merck and um, Susan um, over at, at PC. So we uh, we have a, a pretty close network of, of um, CBOs, especially in South Carolina and in the Southeast that I can reach out to. And is that something that you try to do as well for, for people that are coming up underneath you is serve as, 
as a mentor? Is is that something that you make part of your daily operations? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I try to give my uh, controller or associate VPs and so, associate VP for facilities the opportunity to, you know, speak when we are in in uh, settings where we have trustees around or give them projects to, to run with. And I also think I do a pretty good job of keeping them in the loop of what's going on um, with my career so that they can learn both from my successes and from my mistakes. I think that's helpful for them to see um, when I do something really good or I do something really bad so that uh, we can all learn from those mistakes. What would you say the next generation of CBOs needs to be or do or have in order to be successful? As you're looking at, you know, the generation that's coming up behind you, what do you think they're going to need to have in order to be successful? The the biggest thing they need um, would be, or the biggest things they need are um, very good communication skills. They need to always um, think of who needs to be included in this decision or this um, or this conversation so that uh, folks aren't left out that can be helpful or hurtful if they don't know what's going on. You know, folks get their feelings hurt if they're left out or they, uh, they might have something, some information that could change the direction of any decision you're making or, or a project that you're working on. So it's all, I think the key is communication plus the ability uh, just to, to think strategically at all times and uh, not get uh, lost and not be able to see the forest for the trees. Anything else that you'd like to share that I've neglected to ask today, Barbie? Not that I can think of. We've covered it all right here on CBO Speaks. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Barbie, for your time today and for sharing just a couple of your insights with our listeners. Thank you. You can find out more about Barbie and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Barbie and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.